0: Where do we get the name The Haven? Psalm 107 and verses 23 to 32, which is also our text for the message. Finally, I can say it this morning. (laughs) Psalm 107, verses 23 to 32. If you've ever been to uh, a place like Gloucester, Massachusetts, uh, which is the site of the perfect storm, at least which was out in the water, and you see the, uh, the, the monument to all the Men died out at the seas, and the other one is even more touching of the mom with, I think, two children looking out at the sea, wondering if she'll ever see her husband again. Well, think of that as you hear Psalm 107, 23 to 32. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep For he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their troubles, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. And then from Matthew 11 and verses 28 to 30, our new covenant reading. Our Lord Jesus, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our majestic God the Lord God of whom we have just sung, mighty fortress to us, the one who by one little word shall fell your enemies. Now we pray that you would come by the Holy Spirit on this particularly sobering as well as joyous day and minister to us about the meaning of the remembrance of September 11th and what that means for our desired haven. Do for us, we love to pray this, do for us beyond anything we could ask or even think to the glory of the Word made flesh, King Jesus, confirming that we desire to be heard as we say together, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. They may want to turn to page 5 in your bulletin. As your officers discussed when we should have our inaugural worship service, we knew we wanted it to be in September, beginning of the new school year. And there was uh, some discussion about whether we should have this on September the 11th, 911, or not. And we concluded, obviously, that we would have that opening service on this sobering day. Why? Because, frankly, what better day than to preach on Christ, our desired haven, than on this remembrance of September 11th. And so here's what I want to do today. This is rather simple. I have two points. Number one, what a day for the inaugural service of the haven at Comac. Number two, What a day for the inaugural service of the Haven at Comac. Think you can remember those two points? I think they're rather simple for you. What a day we begin for the inaugural service of what is now the Haven Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Comac. It was a day very much unlike this. For those of, we can all remember, I think, it was a picture-perfect day. It was a day for a movie. It was azure blue and, and not a cloud in the sky. And it was 21 years, almost to the hour, that four airlines which had left Logan International Airport in Boston were hijacked by 19 Islamic terrorists who were associated with the extremist group al-Qaeda. It was the deadliest attack on United States soil. Nearly 3,000 people died as a result of the tragedies of that day, and more than 6,000 were injured, many of whom have succumbed to their injuries over the 21 years. American Airlines Flight No. 77 crashed into the Pentagon. U.S. Air Flight 93, which was believed to have been headed to crash into the U.S. Capitol, crashed in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, because of the efforts of people to try to save that flight. United Airlines Number 175 flew into the South Tower of the World Trade Center of that day and later American Airlines Flight Number 11, flew into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. 2,753 people died on that occasion. Of those, 343 were firefighters trying to help at the World Trade Center. The last calls of the victims of the September 11th tragedy, are what has been called chilling and heartbreaking insights into their final moments. CeCe Lyles was a flight attendant on United Airlines flight number 93. She left this voicemail for her husband. Hi, babe. You have to listen to me carefully. I'm on a plane that's been hijacked. I'm calling from the plane. I want to tell you that I love you. Please tell my children that I love them very much. I'm so sorry. I hope to be able to see your face again, babe. I love you. Bye. Brian David Sweeney was age 39. His voicemail to his wife came four minutes before United Airlines flight number 175 crashed into the South Tower of the World Trade Center. Brian David Sweeney to his wife. Jules, this is Brian. Listen, I'm on an airline that's been hijacked. If things don't go well and it's not looking good, I just want you to know that I absolutely love you. I want you to do good and to go have good times. and Same to my parents and to everybody. And I just totally love you. And I'll see you when you get there. Kevin Cosgrove, age 45 years, father of three, was on the phone to emergency services as he was almost at the top of the South Tower of the World Trade Center right before it collapsed. Kevin Cosgrove. We're not ready to die, but it's getting bad. It's really bad. It's black. It's arid. We're young men, not ready to die. There's three of us. Two broken windows. Oh, God. The phone call is cut out amid screams and the sound of debris falling. Psalm 107 and verse 23. Let me paraphrase it, contextualize it, and remind you, may we never forget. The same went up in the skies in jets, doing business on the winds and the clouds. That's what you heard about in these accounts in the World Trade Center. Verses 26 and 27. They mounted up to heaven, and they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and they were at their wit's end. Never... Forget Whatever else September 11th was, and it was many things, it's a reality check. We live in a fallen world. And when the scriptures speak about desperate wickedness, they speak the truth. When the scriptures speak about evil and tragedy and death and sorrow and bereavement, As unpleasant as that is, the scriptures speak the absolute truth about what it is to live in a fallen world where there are World Trade Center catastrophes. And you and I can't escape. It may not be in a tragedy like the World Trade Center, but until Christ comes back, there will be tragedy. That tragedy may affect you and death will surely overtake you you cannot escape from that lesson of 911 that we must never forget okay now that's why that's why it's so important that we have on this day the inaugural service for the haven at comac because that brings us to the second point what a day for the inaugural service of the haven at COMAC. It's spring of about the year AD 33. And as surely as what happened on September 11, 2001, really happened, these events really happened, and you will be dishonest with yourself, you'll be dishonest with your soul, And you will be dishonest with your eternity if you don't face these things, come to grips with them and believe in them. A.D. 33 was the culmination of what began on what we know of as Christmas. For nine months, God united with humanity. Had been gestating in the womb of Mary the Virgin. And he is born on what we know of as Christmas. Again, looking at Psalm 107, let's look at this through a Christ centered lens. One came down to the earth in the body of a man, and he did business on the great waters of human life, for 33 years, growing under the headship of his parents, learning the trade, probably carpentry, beginning to minister at a very young age, until finally, at about A.D. 30, his public ministry was inaugurated. And how did people see the deeds of the Lord through the God-man? As Jesus came on scene in history, Lepers were healed, the dead were raised, the lame were made to walk, the blind were made to see, loaves and fishes were multiplied to feed people. All things that really happened in real-time space history that clearly were the great deeds that only God himself could do. And when we read in this text of his wondrous works in the deep and doing business on the great waters and commanding and raising the stormy winds which lift up the waves of the sea so that they mount up to heaven and go down to the depths, there's a reason why among the panoply of the marvels that Jesus did. He's on a sea like this, the Sea of Galilee, which is a a big bowl. And when the winds blow, they can seem to blow from all directions and churn up the water, very much like what you read in Psalm 107, and the men in the boat are afraid. Jesus is asleep, but then he wakes up, and he commands, and the waves are stilled, and they do come to their desired haven. All that is designed to show over a three year period, that Jesus Christ is like no other person in human history. He's not like Buddha and he's he's not like Muhammad. He's not like Confucius. He's not just a good man. He's God. And he proves that. And so we go into history, even as history is recorded here. And then we come to AD thirty-three. And in AD thirty-three Heaven and earth collide in a way that will never be seen again in human history and that changes all of human history. Jesus is in Gethsemane, and heaven meets hell. The reason for our Lord's peculiar agonies in in the Garden of Gethsemane, just ours, before the great event of his crucifixion is that Jesus is coming to grips in his humanity, his weakened, tired humanity. He's coming to grips with the fact that the cup of God's wrath, infinitely worse than anything that happened on September 11th, the cup of God's wrath for all of his people is going to be administered to him listen carefully, without evil human intermediaries, such as hijacked planes on September 11th. It would be the immediate giving of the cup of the wrath due to the sins of all of God's people that would be given by the Father, the good Father, the gracious Father, to his own willing son. And hence, Jesus' sweat as drops of blood. And even medical science knows that under extreme duress, there, there is such, such a pushing of the sweat pores uh, that they intersect with arteries and veins, and there will be blood, as there was with Jesus. He sweat as drops of blood. And again, as he will face a tragedy far greater than 911 father if you are willing let this cup pass from me can't you hear that and those who knew that within minutes they would be dead father if you're willing let this cup pass from me nevertheless and friends we have everlasting life because of that nevertheless nevertheless Not my will, but yours, be done. Back to the psalm. Jesus, from heaven, begins to go down to the depths of hell in his own inner emotional life. He is taken in the consummate act of injustice to Governor Pilate and eventually to a religious leader And then back to Governor Pilate, where he is eventually sentenced again unjustly to not only death, but the cursed death of the cross. And you can imagine in Jesus' journey to the cross, this kind of language. His courage, not completely melting away, but his courage challenged in this evil plight reeling and staggering like a drunken man at his wits' end, such that he needed help to bear that heavy cross in his own body. He is crucified. And heaven and hell intersect when Jesus, though he knew no sin, became incarnate sin for people like us. And in that, he cried that cry of anguish, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That sense of forsakenness that the victims of 911 and all of their relatives and those who knew them and loved them experienced our Lord experienced it to the nth degree on the cross. He suffers, he is in agony, and he cries to the Lord in his trouble, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Behold your God. We love to sing it. And what I want to impress upon all of you here, whether you're a Christian or not, although I want all of you to be Christians, we don't have a God who doesn't enter into human history. We don't have a God who is unable to relate to or understand or sympathize with the crushing misery that came to so many On nine one one and as a result, we have a sympathetic high priest who literally has entered into every aspect of our own lives, though he never sinned. He was no stranger to evil. Our Lord experienced the pernicious effects of the terrorism of sin from the very time of his birth. Our Lord was no stranger, not distant from that. He entered into an evil world. He faced it. And he experienced September 11th multiplied by infinity. But that's not the end. He conquered. As you continue in the psalm, You never just cry out to the Lord in your trouble because God's alive and at work. He delivered them from their distresses and he delivered Jesus from his distress. Even as he cried out, Father, into your hands I commend your spirit. And as he gave up the spirit, which is another way of speaking of death, the soul separated from the body. Our Lord in his soul entered into paradise with one of the two men that was crucified next to him. The storms for our Lord were made still and the waves of the sea of death were hushed. And he was glad that death for him was quiet. And Jesus in his soul was brought to his desired haven, which is heaven itself. See, all of the Psalms, Jesus opened up in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, all the things concerning himself. But even that's not the end. Because if his body had stayed in the grave, and the souls with the Lord, what gospel is that? You've got Christmas, you've got Easter, you've got Good Friday, and you've got Easter because our Lord was truly raised from the dead. Easter, folks, isn't about bunnies and eggs and clothes. (laughs) Easter is about Jesus and Jesus and Jesus, where he really conquered death. And as he appeared, that soul that was in heaven came to be reunited with that glorified man. So they knew it was Jesus, but they didn't know it was Jesus, a little bit like heaven itself. And for 40 days, Jesus ministers on the earth, and once again... You see his great wonders that are done in the earth now as the Son of God raised with power. And he ascends up into heaven, and he really did. Ten days later, he sent down the Holy Spirit, which is what? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is designed to do in the world right now what he did when the world was created and God brooded over the face of the waters to form what we know of as the world. And now the Holy Spirit, sent by King Jesus, Lord Sabaoth, is doing that work of making people like us into new creation. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what the haven is all about. And what's wonderful is that our Lord, who's in his desired haven, which is heaven itself, Our Lord says, I didn't do it just for me. I did it for people just like you. You live in a tragic world because of the fall. Thank God we have a tragedy, undoing Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who conquers our greatest enemies, sin and the world and the devil and death, and he does it for us. And that desired haven, if you want to spell it a little bit differently, we can do our own version of Wordle here. You can spell it R-E-S-T. It's the meaning of Sabbath. That's why God ordained a seventh-day Sabbath in the Old Testament and a Lord's Day Sabbath in the New. It's rest. And that's what you really want, isn't it? It's what you really need. It's what you really desire. And that's why we speak of 911 and your desired haven. Jesus said, Come to me. Amen. And do you know that Jesus is calling you to do that right now? Hallelujah. He's calling you not to go back to what may have been normal for you before you came here. He's calling you to leave here as one who has come to Jesus being honest. I labor and I'm heavy laden. And you give me rest for my soul. Forgiveness of sins. A perfect righteousness. A deliverance from the treadmill of your own religious works. I'm trying to be good. Excuse the expression from a Calvinist pastor. Good luck. (laughs) You'll never do it. Never do it. You're a hamster in a wheel and you get exhausted. But when you come to Jesus, and what is it? What is it to come to Jesus? It's to marry him, it's to take him by faith to be your Lord and your Savior. That's one case where it is legitimate for a man to marry a man. You take him to be your Savior. To have and to hold by faith. To love and to cherish as he makes himself known in the word of God. And as you communicate your love to him in prayer and obedience. To have and to hold, to love and to cherish. In sickness and in health. My Havenites, we've learned a lot about sickness. And we've learned about Jesus as the great physician who gives rest in our sickness. To love and to cherish. Sickness and in health. And this is what's beautiful. As long as we both shall live. The tragedy of 911, you can't hear it, I can't read it without breaking into tears. I totally love you. Love you, babe. Hope to see you again. Death parted them. Death will never part you from Christ. And the same way when Jesus closed his own eyelids in death and immediately his soul was in the presence, in paradise it's called, and that's rest, in paradise. So you will be too when you rest in Jesus. How do I know that's not fake? Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, the day in which you marry the Lord Jesus in faith. People spoke of the life-changing effects of September 11th on them. I could do a whole sermon just on sermons, on what happened afterwards, Just, just some of the many. Sandy Dahl, who was the wife of Flight 93 pilot Jason Dahl, said, if we learned nothing else from this tragedy, we learn that life is short and there's no time for hate. Christina Stanton, who was near the World Trade Center on September 11th, wrote the utterly compelling book, Out of the Shadow, of 9-11, and she wrote, among other things, when the attacks happened, I learned, wow, I have no control. My worldview was totally changed. I really had to start over from the very beginning. Who am I? Who am I in Christ? All of my relationships changed, another wrote. I thought differently differently about everything never forget 911 and always remember Christ who took again what 911 showed as evil multiply it by infinity and he bore it in his own body on the tree And unlike towers that fell never to rise again, Jesus died, was buried, and he did rise again. And he ascended to heaven. And whether you believe it or not, he's King of kings and Lord of lords. And if I could change each of your hearts, and I can't, but if I could change each of your hearts, I would change each one of your hearts to say, I love you. Lord Jesus, my Jesus, I love you, I know you are mine. For you, all my follies of sin, I resign. That's what it is to confess your faith. So many ways that you can express it. But I want you to believe in that Lord Jesus Christ who conquered death. And remember, till death do us part, never ever applies to believers. And if you genuinely come to Christ, listen carefully, you genuinely believe in him in your heart, you'll confess him with your mouth. You'll be a part of a local church like the Haven. You'll tell others about Jesus, and you'll revel in him in your worship. Do you? Please don't talk about believing in Jesus if your life doesn't show Jesus as well. What does that sound like? Valley of Vision is one of my favorite devotional volumes. A collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. What a way to put many people off. It's a rich, rich volume of godly prayers and devotions. How appropriate on September 11th, the prayer refuge. You believe in Jesus. This will be your confession. O Lord Let me dwell in your most secret place, under your shadow, where is safe, impenetrable protection from the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that walks in darkness, and the fear of death. I am entirely dependent upon you for support, counsel, consolation. Uphold me by the Holy Spirit. Strengthen me by your Spirit in my inner self for every purpose of my Christian life. All that is mine, I give to the shadow of the safety that is in you. My name anew in Christ. My body, soul, talents, character. My success, wife, children, friends, work, my present, my future, my end. O Lord, take them. They are yours, and I am yours now and forever. Can you say that? That's the essence of what it is. To take Jesus as your Savior and Lord, to love and to hold, to cherish and honor, in sickness and in health, as long as you and Jesus, together as one, both shall live. And because he never dies, you won't either. Let's pray. Father, what a day for the inaugural service, for the Haven at Comac. It is the remembrance of September eleventh, but it's also the Lord's Day. And we love the fact that today we can bring together almost almost as it were hell and heaven. And to know that in Christ heaven conquers, may we sow and trust our souls to the living abiding word of God, the word made flesh, Jesus, that we can say, I have no condemnation in him, there will be no condemnation in him, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because of Jesus. Amen. Amen.